Hello everyone and welcome back to Make Better Wedding Films, the home of new ideas for radical films about people in love. Before we get into today's show, we've got a couple of announcements. The first of which is to let you guys know that our guest today, Eric Floberg, has a new course for wedding filmmaking out right now, available for only a few more days. If you're listening to this as soon as the podcast came out, you got a few more days to grab the course. Um, it closes on Monday, I believe. So yeah, hopefully you guys, depending on when you're listening to this episode, will have time to quickly sneak in and grab the course. We actually do have a $100 off code. If you guys want to take advantage of that, just use the code CLASSROOM100 to grab $100 off the course. It looks like an incredible resource for wedding filmmakers. Eric goes through his entire process from filming, his approach to um, marketing without marketing, dealing with clients, filming, editing, everything. The entire process of creating an incredible, well-rounded wedding filmmaking business. Uh, Eric covers it all. So it looks like a really amazing, awesome product. Make, make sure you guys check that out. We'll have a link in the description below and make sure you use the code CLASSROOM100 to get $100 off. The next thing we need to let you guys know about is the fact that we too here at Make Better Wedding Films have released our own educational services. This is one-on-one -on -one mentoring specific to you and your business. We wanna help give you guys clarity, answer any questions you have, um, help you basically break through any creative or business ruts that you have and get you to the goals that you want to. We've got a range of different mentoring services available. So we've got film reviews where we can sit down and analyze a specific film or a couple of films and get, give you guys some really clear fe feedback on cinematography, editing, storytelling, music choices, just go really in depth on the films themselves. We've also got a more generalized two hour mentoring session where we can go over all sorts of aspects of your business, your brand, the films themselves, all sorts of questions you guys might have on how you can take the next step in your filmmaking career. And finally, we're also offering a more long-term six-month mentoring program so we can really get in-depth on all of your business goals, all of your filmmaking goals, and basically take our decade of experience in the wedding industry and inject it straight into your business. So if you guys wanna learn more about that, make sure to go to makebetterweddingfilms.com forward slash mentoring or check the link in the description. And finally, I'm proud to say once again that this episode is brought to you by Musicbed. We've just signed on for another round of sponsorship with Musicbed and that's all down to you guys. Signing up to them using our promo code MBWF, that really helps out the show. So if you guys wanna keep helping out the show, make sure you head on over to Musicbed and use our code MBWF get your first month free. Alrighty, that's it everyone. Enjoy the episode. To be a creative storyteller is to be a listener, to be someone who is more interested in the story of others than their own. When it comes to wedding filmmaking, this means being passionately invested in the couple and who they are, making a film that is solely for them. This is Eric's philosophy for wedding filmmaking and it's how he's able to make the emotionally charged films that he does. Start with the couple, dig deep into who they are, and let that drive your creativity and your story. My name is Ben, and this is Make Better Wedding Films. Oh, 
What's been going on in the life of Eric Floberg? It sounds like a fuck of a lot. It's, yeah, it's quite a bit, uh, <laughs> a little bit. We uh, we think we talked about a year ago. It had to have been, if not more. Yeah, man. Um, mm-hmm. Really excited to be back, and have been so excited to see your growth. By the way, I don't. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about that. It's been really cool. <laughs> um, yeah, it's in the in the past year. I have run, I run a virtual marathon that <laughs> I was supposed to run the New York city marathon last year. Um, so we ran it along the lakefront. Uh, we moved to a new house, my, me and my family. Uh, I had, we had our fourth kid and we moved studios. Um, we were in the, we were in a studio half the size, two door, two floors down before now we're in one twice the size. The list goes on. I'm training for New York City for real this time. That's in like three weeks. Um, and now I'm just in, in the thick of, of launching uh, an online course for wedding photo, wedding video, which I've been wanting to do for years. And now it's mm. finally happening. So that's yeah. about all of it. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's all. Yeah, no, that's crazy. That's absolutely. It sounds like just an absolute mind bend. But um, yeah, like the course because you you've got a background in teaching. I mean, we talked about that last yeah. time. You've but you have a background in teaching. It's obviously I can see how it's been something that's bubbling around for you, you know, uh, for years now. I imagine. So do you want to talk us through the classroom? What it's all about? Yeah. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I went to college and you, you say university, right? Mm. I, yeah. Do you, both. Um, went to college for special education. Um, Mm. so teaching for teaching Mm. students with disabilities and Mm. I just kind of picked that as a major because I worked with students with disabilities in high school. And so it was just something I was familiar with, something I enjoyed doing. So that's what I chose for my major. But you know, um, as my story goes, as a lot of people, their story goes, it's like picked up a camera, started filming friends, do, making stupid videos, that kind of stuff. And that blossomed into um, mm. shooting weddings. But I taught for three years after college full time and it became just too, um, too intense to balance the two. I was shooting over 20, 25 weddings a year and teaching full time. So since that was the case, I mean, I didn't necessarily want to leave teaching. Um, I felt like this this tug on my heart, like leaving those kids and um, being just kind of in that service role in um, a school that I actually went to <laughs> in middle school. Um, but yeah, it's always just been something that I've been passionate about is to is to teach other people and to empower other people through education, and not so much just for the seeing you know teaching any specific kind of information, but like seeing the fruits of, of what like passion can lead to, um, in the form of education and really kind of motivated learning. Mm -hmm. So that was really difficult in my classroom setting, um, with a lot of special ed students because, you know, I had kids with learning disabilities and behavior disorders and I was teaching in an environment where a lot of the kids were super unmotivated to, to learn the stuff that I was forced to teach them. (laughs) Um, so I always broke the rules in the classroom. I was always that teacher that like wouldn't follow the standards I was supposed to. And I would like make stupid rap videos about frogs and stuff to keep them entertained. And I would just randomly make games up in the middle of a period and like not care about breaking the rules. 
And to me, that always felt so much more empowering to the kids because it, it actually helped them be engaged with what we were doing. Um, so it's, it's interesting now to now approach education in a completely different way because who I am offering education to, they're so wildly passionate about what I'm teaching. And so people are coming in just like frothing at the mouth, wanting to learn stuff which is mm. epic. And that gets me like so much more excited than trying to have to like mm. coax people into caring about the thing that I'm, I'm teaching. And then equally it's, it's my passion as well. And it's what I absolutely adore doing and love doing. So yeah, it's just a really, really cool full circle kind of story that's happening now. And I feel extremely fortunate uh, to be in the position of doing yeah. it. Yeah, that's amazing, man. And because it's like we're in this funny situation where like education is widely available everywhere, especially online Mm -hmm. and like the likes of YouTube and stuff. You can kind of like learn anything you want. There's like tutorials and stuff for anything. You make a bunch of like online free educational content. What's the difference that you see between like, you know, like learning through the likes of like YouTube and all that free stuff versus this kind of more structured course. Yeah, definitely. It's the way I, the way I see it is, I mean, I've heard this phrase by a lot of other educators too. And it's true. It's, uh, you can, you can piecemeal pretty much most of this stuff, uh, together online. You, if you search up YouTube, you do enough Mm -hmm. Google searches, um, all this stuff can be found out. It just, it just takes so much more time and effort and energy to search and find all those things. So I liken it to what I went through. I, you know, for the first five years of my business, I was just floundering, not knowing what the heck I was doing. I was mm-hmm. shooting in 30 frames per second all the time and auto white balance mm-hmm. and not knowing anything about shutter and the 180 rule or anything at all. I was just like, I just like making fun stories and I think I'm pretty good at mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah. But once I started integrating like the, the proper technical things and those two worlds met, it was like, a mind blowing, like, whoa, like I'm actually good at this now. And there were so many years where I just like ignored learning and doing those things. Um, and that's part of my personality too. And I know that's the personality of a lot of other people as well, is that like, I don't want to go hunt for that stuff. So if I could see, if I could see an investment right here, that's realistic, you know, for the cost of like shooting one more wedding and I can learn everything all at once seems like a good investment for me. Um, or I don't have to go searching everywhere for it, but I can just find all the technical pieces here. And then there's other people who want to, you know, like specifically with this course, like it's, it's a full wedding photo and a full wedding film. Um, but I'm literally going through the gamut of everything I know from, from shooting to editing to client experience and business and even getting into investing, like how to invest as mm. an entrepreneur and someone who's self-employed um, into the last part being my philosophy. And I know like we were talking about this earlier today that we've seen, we've seen plenty of other courses in this space in wedding filmmaking, wedding photography, and there's tons of people that teach about, okay, here's how you do the Facebook leads here. Here's how you, you know, run ads on Instagram. Um, this is how you can set up a profile on the knot and you can book things all this way. I covered none of that at all. Um, I have a whole section called marketing without marketing, and it's basically just trying to hack the system and coming up with more interesting and unique ways to reach people outside of the traditional ways. Cause I'm fully convinced that that's like a more powerful way to do it. And so 
that in combination with my philosophy of serving clients and like having a huge heart for doing that, um, there's just this component of inspiration that I'm hoping people find outside of anything that they would find in a 10 minute tutorial replicated over a dozen times on YouTube, you know? Mm. Um, so yeah. 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 I think, I think that's the thing, right? Is that like all this stuff is out there. You can find it if you want to, but it's the difference between like spending a decade <laughs> slowly learning this stuff yeah. and like fast tracking that learning and getting the clarity and the kind of, um, uh, like curation yes. of yep. learning, I think, is is w w w what comes into it, which is 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 really exciting. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, the course looks amazing. And so, it, is, is it two separate courses in terms of like yeah. there's a whole photo course mm -hmm. and a whole filmmaking course, yeah. or do they kind of speak yeah. to each each other? Yeah. So there is, yeah, they're two separate entities, um, mm. both different, mm -hmm. but there are a few modules that are exactly the same. So the business module is exactly the same and the investing module is exactly the same and the marketing without marketing is exactly the same. And the reasoning for that is there's no discrepancy between the two on those subjects. Mm -hmm. Like I run my business the same way I would on the photo and video side when I talk about, you know, using a CRM like HoneyBook and how to book mm -hmm. leads and talk to clients and that stuff. Um, and there, there are some modules that are very similar like for example, in the client experience module, I have a sit down mock conversation with Steven, my podcast host and his wife. And we, we go through a, f a fake like first client meeting and they, uh, they ask all of the questions and I, I give them the exact response I normally give in that situation. But it's literally two cameras set up us doing that. Um, and we did it for fully for photography and we did it fully for filmmaking. Um, so there's inter there's uh, crossover, but then there's there are ones that are wholly unique. Like mm -hmm. the full editing are completely different between Lightroom and, yeah. and Premiere where I edit. Yeah. Um, so there's there's about a, a quarter to a third of overlap, but we're selling we're selling both of them as a bundle. Um, so it's it's mm -hmm. essentially buy one get one. So uh, it's fifty percent off yeah. the second one if you bundle both. So yeah, and kind of yeah. rectifies that That's issue. Cool. So yeah, yeah. No, really interesting. No, that's cool because, yeah, you're right. There's stuff that obviously translates between the two, but then stuff that's unique to each craft. And I guess I'd love to sort of dive into the meat of our conversation today, which is kind of like one of your modules that is sort of um, you know, approached differently from photography to yeah. filmmaking. And that's the idea of like creative portraiture yeah. and, and storytelling. And I'd love to, I guess, get your perspective from the get go around like what you mean about that and how you define that, especially for filmmaking. Yeah. Um, I love that you're asking this, uh, because I, I really struggled with the differentiation of these two mm -hmm. in this part of it. And, mm -hmm. um, it felt, it felt a lot stronger to talk about it from um, a portrait side on, on the photo side, mm -hmm. because I felt like initially when I started, you know, gaining a following on, you know, Instagram and Facebook in the early days and then moving to YouTube, it was a lot of me doing like double exposures and using a tilt shift lens and doing panoramics, uh, bokeh panoramics and like all these really interesting, unique ways to make portraits. And the funny thing is that my philosophy was so much different than just making creative, cool photos. Like I actually cared way more about taking care of my clients than, <laughs> than making like Instagram bangers. Like I, 
it was fun and all. It's fun to get likes, whatever. Mm-hmm. Sure, it's cool to get followers. Um, but I, I, I came to the realization very quickly that my clients didn't care nearly as much about those photos as I did. <laughs> um, so I kind of talked to like the fact that those and on, on the photo side, those are kind of like these shiny objects I get to attract people's attention and just kind of bring them into my philosophy. So the differentiation there is like, okay, then how do we apply that to business as well on the photo side? So there's that component. But the filmmaking side, it's totally different. I don't lean on those things nearly as much. Like there are different there are different creative things I do, like integrating time lapses or doing the same thing like double exposures in posts with layering different images on top of each other or using my tilt shift lens to kind of distort the scene. There's different things like that where I, you know, I'll, I'll do interesting things with gear that I have, but what's so cool about the filmmaking side is that it shares my philosophy and my heart so much easier than the photo creative side does because it really is this transparent piece of, of when you watch one of these films where I've poured my heart out into it and I've, I've like gotten to know the couple as well as I have, it, it's communicated through the story that I tell. It's communicated through because I'm actually with them outside of the wedding day and like we're at their cabin or, you know, I'm filming them making breakfast in the morning at, you know, said cabin or I'm filming them in their apartment and I recorded this other voiceover outside of the wedding day. And like there's all these moving components where it's like the outsider looks at it and goes, that's way above and beyond all the other people I was looking at and kind of shopping around for. Mm. And so I kind of base it around like this, this whole concept of like, it's, it's so much more simple than we make it to be. It's, it's just about caring. It's just about like getting to know them. And once you get to know them, you find all these nuances. And as a creative, that's all you need as inspiration as fuel to like make the creative story happen. You start connecting dots between people's relationships and their story. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay. Like one profound moment that I talk about in the creative storytelling piece is one that happened this year. And I kind of shared about it on a YouTube video recently. Um, we photographed and filmed our friend ben, friends Ben and Emily's wedding. Ben is a wedding photographer in Chicago. Um, ben Ramos Photography and him and his wife run another uh, business that's coaching called Bread and Honey. And we shot their wedding in Chicago and then they asked us to go out to Sedona, Arizona with them as well. And I love doing stuff like that um, because Sedona is like wildly important to them. They made that um, really clear to us. That was the first place they went on a trip together a month into dating. And obviously we've gotten to know Ben over the years, but we didn't know them to this extent when we like, so I was on photo the whole time and then um, Mike, my studio mate, one of my best friends here in Chicago was on video the entire time. And the two of us just tackled it together. And throughout the wedding day, we didn't know all their favorite people. It was the first time we were finally meeting them. And like, we were just palling around with them. There was a bunch of downtime. And we even like, it was really cool. It was like straight out of a movie. Um, we decided not to do speeches at their venue. They had an after party and we did the speeches at the after party. And it was like, it was just so sick. Like in their living room, everyone was crowded around the couches, like up the staircase. It was so sick. And we just like blasted a light into the ceiling. And so there, so we were at that party and the only stuff we shot at that party were the speeches. And the whole other time, the rest of the time we were just getting to know all of them 
uh, all of the other people. And in that process, we learned that, um, that Ben was obsessed with Diet Coke when they first started dating, when Ben and Emily first started dating. And so, so bad that he was drinking like two 24 ounce Diet Cokes every day, like from McDonald's, like just not good. Lots of aspartame. Um, yeah. And so Emily was just kind of this, this encourager in his life to stop doing that. Um, and whether, whether this is kind of like ethically weird or not, like we decided to, to surprise him, uh, with Diet Coke and, and the Sedona side, um, and there is a whole component in the workshop where I talk about using your senses and using your senses to tell a story and like, what does it look like to look? I mean, cause that's something that widely separates photo and, and film as well with appealing to two more senses, visual and audio. But then I challenge even more in saying like, what can you do outside of that? Even how can you engage your smell, taste and feel, which sounds real weird to talk about. But once you actually start engaging with those ideas, all of a sudden I'm just like, oh wait, this Diet Coke thing is engaging an entirely different sense. And so when that happened and we gave them the Diet Coke and he tasted it, it, he told us it was like this flood of emotion back to when they first started dating while they're overlooking the valley in Sedona. And he said it was one of the craziest experiences of his life and we're filming the entire thing and photographing it. And he just like, fully breaks down and it it turns into this blue hour it started raining they're embracing wind blowing like just absolute craziness and none of that would have been possible had we not engaged with them and engaged with who they were and who their people were and it's like is it sustainable to do this with every single couple not necessarily the way i always look at it is i, I always pitch it to potential clients i'm like i'm willing to go there with you if you're willing to let me into your life but like we need to have that relationship. If you're not willing to like carve out time with me to do stuff like that with me, it's going to be a lot harder for me to, to think of these ideas. If you're not willing to like sit down and have a beer with me or share like personal footage of yourself or tell me a story about your grandparent or whatever, like I won't be able to have that creative inspiration. Um, and it's, it's then it's your, it's your call on your business. Like, is that something you're going to go and pursue every single time? Or do you want that to be a collaborative effort with your client and you want them to like come to you with that as well? That's something that you have to figure out. But when that does happen, it's just like, it's absolutely mind blowing what can happen in the film. So yeah, it's just super cool. Amazing. Amazing. That, that, that moment sounded like one of those just like one in a million super powerful yeah. experiences yep. like and it sounds like for you the the art of storytelling comes from i guess like leaning in and wanting that connection like the deeper you connect with your couples the better the, the story is and that seems to be i guess the the meat of your approach to storytelling when it and Filmmaking, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's. I mean, it's the idea of like connection and just like starting with your couple is something that's come up on the podcast again and again and again with like amazing filmmakers all over the world. The ones that connect with their couples and do stuff for them first. Um, it's it just creates a different kind of thing that you can't, mm. uh, I guess, fabricate artificially. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm really interested to know because there is this, this balance between um, 
I guess that like really organic, um, uh, honest um, act of storytelling versus these kind of, uh, I guess, sort of speaking a bit to the the photo side, but that does translate over to to, to video. The kind of the more flashy visual mm. elements that create a kind of that more sort of surface veneer of a filmmaker's style, quote unquote. So do you, do you put any value in, um, or, or not so much do you, do you put any value, how much value do you put into, I guess, working on and honing that kind of, um, I guess, yeah, more veneer, um, visual style for a filmmaker and what that means for their business. Yeah. I, I think it is wildly important in showing and proving the production quality of what you can do with mm. filmmaking. It's always the it's always the next step for anybody wherever they are is to like to keep working on those technical skills. But what I believe philosophically is that if that is the core of, of your purpose, your story is going to fall short. Like all those things are going to fall short. So at at the core and the foundation of all of it, and like it has to be heart first. And it has to be who they are and, and true, to, to, true to who they are and what their story is first. And then how can you eliminate any barrier to the viewer to experience that? And that's where I think, that's where I think really good technical filmmaking and audio can remove those interruptions and remove those barriers for the viewer because... Any layperson, any any average Joe watching your film probably isn't going to notice many technical things. But if there are mm-hmm. gaping things that they might notice, or even things that they might not notice that might enhance it, like if you if you blow out highlights in the background, they just can't experience what is back there. They can't get the context of what that scene is. It's not as much of a holistic story as you want it to be. So if you are trying to appeal to the senses of the viewer and engage them in the story with appealing to as many senses they can while you're engaging as many senses as the people in front of the camera as well, it's almost like this, it's almost like the, the what's the, the upside down in Stranger Things? It's like when they meet, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, yeah. um, it's when these two worlds collide and the only thing that, that layer that you want that technical part is the thing that you don't want to be a distraction. Uh, you want to bring them into that world. And so the more and more you work on that being, I equate this stuff to and anytime anybody masters a skill, it's like learning a language. We don't, we don't think about the next word we're going to say when we string sentences together. And so if you can, if you can turn your camera into that thing, if you can turn the pieces that you use to, you know, make the film, then you don't have to think about those technical things when you are trying to make sure that that layer isn't obtrusive, that it isn't blocking the two worlds from um, connecting with each other. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's really that's a really interesting, I guess, perspective and approach to that. Um, oh man, sorry. I just sort of there's so much to sort of like unpack. I'm I've mind. never thought of it that <laughs> way. Like I'm just like thing. in the moment, like yeah, yeah. I've never. It's it's. I love. That's why I love mm. podcasts. I love these conversations because mm. it it brings up all of these ideas mm. and that that communicated it better than I think I have mm. ever kind of communicated it. Of just like, hey, they're experiencing all these things emotionally, tactily, 
like mm-hmm. physically and emotionally over here, but how can we get the person who's watching it through the screen to also feel as many of those things mm-hmm. as they can and experience it and almost almost just kind of live it through their eyes. That's why I love like certain yeah. second second person shots. Like I've done these in, in multiple films where I'll do a wide of the couple looking at each other and then I'll cut to like mm-hmm. a shot of one of their perspectives looking at the other person and then mm-hmm. switch back and forth and cut back to the wide. And it's, it's this trippy moment of like, I've even like had a groom like reach under my camera and like put hair behind her ear, mm-hmm. like your experience. And then yeah. they get to experience it that way. And then the viewer is experiencing it the way they did. And like, yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, so see that this is, this is, I guess the really interesting part because this is where you start to translate, like there's a difference between like, I don't know, seeing and being part of, um, uh, a, I don't know, an, an emotional like moment and being there with your camera. And then there's a big, I guess, jump in like how you then communicate that on film because there's a difference between just like pointing your camera at something mm. and then making creative decisions to take what you're looking at and translate it into something that will communicate that feeling rather than just like capturing it. Yeah. So... And I think you're absolutely right there. You do need to get to a point where that stuff is just kind of fluidly happening because you want to be in the moment connected to like, I guess the energy of the moment and not thinking about the settings on your camera. But um, what, in terms of, I guess, how you flex that muscle of um, creative, like, analyzing of a scene you know how you sort of work on your skills of looking at a a moment and translating what that will look like into film where do you find your creativity and how do you flex your muscles in that particular skill yeah hmm it's uh it's it's different every single time and Hmm. that's the that's honestly the the thing that i i talk about frequently is what makes Mm. this job and this work sustainable because you can fall into the trap of doing the same things over and over and like falling into a rhythm of this is how I shoot this part of the day if it's a traditional any kind of traditional thing going on and that's where I often see people burn out and so creatively when it comes to the storytelling piece your whole mindset has to change. And again, stemming from that foundation of philosophy of like, I'm here, I'm here just to, to make sure I do justice of, of who you are and all the connections of people around you. In the last module of my course and in, in the filmmaking side, I talk about like, what does it look like? What does it look like to engage with conflict that's happening within the family structure at these weddings? What does it look like to actually engage with things that are difficult outside of just the surface level joy that you're seeing on the wedding day. Because traditionally, when you look at storytelling and the arc of storytelling, you have, you have the beginning opening and setting the scene, you have a rising action, you have a climax. Um, And in that rising action, there's conflict. And it's rare that in any wedding film, you will see any kind of conflict. But when you do, the resolution is so much better. and so I don't remember if we talked about that on the last one. Um, that's something I've talked about before. But 
knowing those things is what helps with the creativity so much more. Where you start poking and prodding on all these different relationships, whether it's before, during, or after the wedding day. I think that's another thing people don't think about. It's like, you can still be poking and prodding after the wedding day. Like, I heard this story from my couple of the film I'm editing right now. They got married on her grandparents' wedding day, and that was very important, that date uh, to them. So of course I'm doing visuals of that date in the film, but then I wanna do this piece for them where like, I wanna get the photo on the table of them. But I was confused because there were multiple sets of grandparents. And I know the story, but I don't want to mess it up visually. And so it's up to you then as a filmmaker, are you going to text them and be like, hey, is this the, is this the set of grandparents? Which is mm. totally okay. But I wanted to go even a step further. And I wanted to text my former bride who got me that couple and say, hey, do you know the family dynamic here? Like, mm. can you confirm for me that this is the grandparent? And she's like, yes, that's it. Awesome. And so then when that's said in the film, I put that visual in and that's a surprise to them. And they know that we talked about it, but then they recognize like, wow, that's, that's extra effort, you know? Um, and all that nuance is there. If you just, if you just dig for it, like pay attention, take notes, like actually engage with them. I know small talk can suck sometimes, but Mm. if you go in with the approach of like going into a wedding day and going in with like, okay, I'm going to limit I'm going to limit talking to anybody around me about me as much as possible and just keep asking pointed questions to everyone around me because people love talking about their lives and their families and who they are. And when if if, small talk is easy, if you just keep asking people questions about themselves and about the people they love and the things that they love. But in the process of you doing that, you don't have to tackle awkward weather conversations. And then you actually get to uncover a lot of things that are happening in the family dynamic of the people around you. And you start to realize important characters in the film and how this shot of them or this thing that they just mentioned that you got during getting ready is now so much more impactful with the speech that happened later in the day, you know? Mm. Mm. Yeah. So, so on the day you are, I guess, actively, um, engaging with like the guests and the family to, you know, like, I guess, mine nuggets mm-hmm. of storytelling gold, in, like throughout the, the in day. my healthiest state. Yeah, I am <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because I want to be real yeah. too, that it's like, it's easy yeah. in a busy season to just be like, Oh, I don't want to put in that effort. I'm just going to kind of mm. show up and shoot. And then sometimes yeah, you get, sometimes stuff, you get yeah. lucky and people say things or a speech mm. says something. And then all of a sudden you, mm. it was kind of just dropped in your lap. But I love yeah. saying things like I, we just shot one out in California and I, you know, I had talked to this groom about how I love the idea of using cell phone footage and all these, you know, if I, if I could get assets from anybody and they're willing to share stuff with me, I'm more than happy to include those things in, in the film. And he was like, sick. I have a, I have a Sony a seven three and I brought it on every vacation we've been on the past four years. Can I just give you a solid state drive with all of it? And I was like, you better believe you can. (laughs) Um, yeah. yeah, it's like, that's insane. And now, yeah. and now, you know, in, in their vows and in speeches, they're talking about their travels and it's like, how much more powerful is that story when you have the visual component while that's happening of the exact trip he's talking about in the vows? Like, hmm. but if you never have that conversation first, that's never going to be a possibility. They're not just gonna be like, Oh yeah. I mean, maybe but like very hmm. rarely will a client be like, Hey, can I give you old footage? <laughs> hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Don't ask, don't get. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so, 
for like leading up to the wedding, what are some of the things that you would do? Obviously, you know, we ideally all meet our couples beforehand and we're asking them questions and stuff, but is, is there anything that you feel like is unique to your approach to make sure that you're understanding your couples ahead of time best? Yeah, and uh, I think a lot of people want like, hey, give me your questionnaire so I can, so I can yeah, figure yeah. all this stuff out. Just copy it. And it's yeah. just, it's, I don't have a questionnaire. I don't, I don't have any formal way of doing this. It's, it's legitimately just about caring about people, not asking questions just for the sake of asking questions, but asking questions for the sake of like, I actually want to know you. I want to know your relationship. I want to know your heart and people feel that like people can read authenticity and they can know if you're like being real or not. And a really amazing way to do that is to, is to obviously, like I said, ask lots of questions, but to reaffirm the things that they're saying. Like, oh, I can empathize you with that because my family, blah, 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 blah. Like, that's really important to me too. Oh, that relationship you have with your sibling, like that's, I have the same thing going on with me. And when you can make those kinds of connections, even if it's just like you bond over a TV show or a film, and then all of a sudden you have a running joke with them. And if you just, just a small thing, like you just write that down in your meeting whenever you have it, and then you just bring it up organically in the wedding day with full confidence knowing the joke is gonna land because they know that quote from yeah. Dwight in the office. It's gonna make that moment so much better. And then you're just going back and forth, you know, joking about Dwight, and all of a sudden they're feeling so much more comfortable to be themselves on the wedding day in that moment. But at that same time, that level of comfort then gives you the trust that you need from them to open up about things that actually do hurt. You know, um, I've had I've had clients have like straight up therapy session with me in the first meeting of like, you know, I talk about my I, I make sure I talk about my philosophy in that first meeting. And I tell them, like, if you're freaking out, I will be the person to grab you by the shoulders and say it's OK. And that like everything's going to go all right and that we're going to get back on track and like you're going to have a good time because I don't want you to stress. You know, I'm saying things like that to them in the meeting to show them I care. I'm saying things like I want this to be a legacy piece for you. I want it to be an heirloom that you can pass on your kids, your grandkids, their kids, like all of these things. When I'm saying that and communicating that authentically to them, then they're like, you know, it's funny. It's funny you bring that up because my dad just passed away a month ago. And the reason we're having it here is because this is where he, you know, I have one coming up next year. He, he passed away in the field where they're getting married and the wood, the driftwood from the field is being made into a cross that's like on their altar when they're getting married. So like a piece of him will physically tangibly be there. And it's like, what am I going to be getting B-roll of that day? You know, Yeah. you know, and, um, Mm. and so and I, and I, I'm taking notes, I'm making mental notes of all of these components and things happening so that like, that's the kind of B-roll I want. I don't just want a B-roll of the cake mm-hmm. table. I want to know those things so that I have B-roll that's really influential when that stuff is inevitably brought up on the wedding day, that he's not here with us, but we're celebrating his presence. Cut to that B-roll while they're speaking about that. Yeah. And that might not be like to the stranger watching the film, like Ben and Emily with the Diet Coke. I never made reference to it. There's just two shots of them drinking Diet Coke and it feels random. 
but then the emotion that you feel after that moment, everyone goes, I don't know what that was, but that was freaking special. And, mm. and the couple, the couple just think about how they're feeling in that moment where they know, yeah. they know all of the nuance of that story mm. and their closest people watching the film do as well. And they're just like, dang, mm. you know, um, yeah, it's powerful stuff, dude. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's actually that's an interesting question that I I would love to ask because in like in the world of social media and Instagram and and you know marketing mm-hmm. um, and all this kind of stuff like we I guess we often feel a bit of um, tension between making films for our couples and making films that will book us more couples yeah. and so when it comes to like leaning in and being confident with like owning the film for the couple and not like explaining stuff for random and like, you know, not making a film that will make perfect sense to a stranger. Um, I guess, well, what's your philosophy on that in terms of just like being really true to making a film for the couple? Yeah. Um, I guess I'm pretty radical in this in that I think it should exclusively be for them. And this goes into my whole philosophy on marketing without marketing. It's like, if it's exclusively for them and you care enough about them to make it the best you can make it for them, all the other work is going to follow. Like it just will. Yeah. Cause people who care about your philosophy and what you do and what you make are going to recognize that like those types of people, your people who you want to be booking will see that they'll feel that same thing I was talking about earlier. Like they'll feel all that sensory stuff on the other side of the screen. And that you might get inquiries where it's like, I don't know what it is, but your stuff just speaks to me in this way. And what they're communicating is, we love that you care about the people you film. Like, they just don't know it yet. And then you sit down in a meeting and you verbalize it and they're like, yep, that's it. Yep, that's exactly what I felt, you know? And in that sense, it, it takes off all the pressure. Cause you're just like, all I have to do mm-hmm. is just care about people and, and care about what I, what I do in serving them. Like I don't have to overcomplicate it. I'll keep working on my skills and progress and get better. And I'll always be doing that. And I'll make a point to keep doing that, but I'm going to keep digging and I'm going to keep caring and I'm going to keep developing relationships. And out of that will birth all of the stuff that will inevitably come from that. Cause in, mm-hmm. I hate that I'm being as salesy as I'm like, trying not to be salesy on the course, but it's like, it's, leg- no, it's, it's legitimately it's, all the stuff yeah. that I believe and care about in, in, yeah. um, module 10 in marketing without marketing. I talk about how mm. I go through the history of my clients and I, and I connect mm. all the dots. I'm like, this client led to this client because this, and this client led to this client because this, and I keep showing yeah. this web of how, how it all happened. I'm like, all of it happened organically. And now like I'm charging more than I ever have. And my couples care more about my work than they ever have. And they connect with me more than they ever have. And it's all happening organically because I'm just investing in them and I'm caring. I had a couple that booked me for their Yosemite film in 2017. That was like the one that I went all out Mm -hmm. for and like totally changed my business they just started a coffee company and they sent us a bag last week. Like we're still, like we still are friends Mm. and we still keep up with each other. And there's just something so special about that. And like, we know their Mm. family. I filmed her sister's wedding. It led to a multitude of other bookings. Like 
it just it'll take care of itself yeah it's because we talked talk, talked about this the, the last time you were on the show and stuff and it's just because in terms of like my podcast and and what what I'm doing with make better wedding films and the Instagram kind of stuff like I get excited looking at all these films from all over the world and like I you know I, I often get drawn to the flashy stuff and like filmmaking techniques and what's a new way I could do XYZ and look like I do I do get excited by that stuff but I think like having this conversation is just like such a good reminder around like the foundation mm. and the core of what like the point of what we're doing mm. as wedding filmmakers yes. and like you can make these films like as flashy as you want but at the end of the day if they're not a true representation of the couple then they're nothing they're like a sizzle reel yeah, exactly. on instagram exactly yeah yeah i think you got to think of the it's, longevity of it it's like my goal yeah. when a stranger watches a film that i make from a wedding i don't want them to turn to the couple and say your wedding looked epic i want them to say like yeah. i'm weeping right now that was mm. that is who you are like there's no more accurate representation of who you are i've never seen anything made about you that's so true to who you are and, and what your relationship is. It's like, that's mm. so much, like, that's, that's the investment that we're talking yeah. about long-term yeah. because all of these are going to probably look stupid 30 years from now visually. Like they just probably are. We have no idea what 30, yeah. 40 years visual filmmaking will be if it even is a thing. Like we don't know. And this could just look like hot garbage. And if, yeah. if our cool scissor reel thing just looks like hot garbage, then it's just empty. You know, it doesn't mean yeah. all that much then. And yeah. I don't want to be too harsh because I get it. Like I get the excitement of cool, flashy mm -hmm. things. Like it is fun. And there truly is nothing wrong with that. Like to each their own on everything. And if people find value in that, that's, that's amazing. And I, there are plenty of people who do find value in that. And want that um i just that's not my philosophy like i want to i if half of your film is cell phone footage because it's going to mean something that like brings all of us to tears and makes our hearts swell that's what i want because i don't i don't if all i care about is it enhancing the story um i look to someone like josh halton from a little long distance or like just like he'll use anything yeah. and everything to the one moment in the film he had from Zion where she's talking about his um, grandparents who passed away a few months prior to the wedding and they're all weeping, just saying like, we want to model our relationship after them. Like that's the kind of love we want. And she says, cheers to them. And he had footage of them. He had footage of the grandparents cheersing wine with each other that he overlaid over that moment. And I, I'm yeah. getting goosebumps. I, every time I talk about it, I, I get goosebumps. Yeah, same, same. And it's just like, yeah. who cares about what that footage looks like? Like, yeah. it's nuts to experience hearing and seeing that. Um, it's, mm. there's, there's no comparing it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the like nostalgia and like raw emotion in his films are just out of yeah. this fucking world yeah. out of this world yeah. that's crazy 
And like, there's, I think one of the barriers with this kind of approach to filmmaking is time. And I think because you have to put the time in like before the wedding, effort on the day, you were talking about like when you're in the thick of wedding season, you don't, you don't feel like it's hard to like muster the energy to kind of like emotionally care this much. Mm -hmm. And so like, I'm not sure how I want to approach this question other than like how you, I don't know, continue to muster the emotional stamina to sustain a season, to to sustain a business year after year with this kind of approach. It's so true, man. You're like, you hit the nail on the head. Um, I'm experiencing burnout in a whole new kind of way of like a caring too much kind of burnout, you know? Um, And I'm sure other people have experienced it to some extent. I guess the way I have been mitigating it is sometimes I do have clients who don't give as much as I would like from them. And if that's the case, Mm. their film becomes more simple and it's not as emotionally rich. And that's okay. And I'm okay with that. And that might not be the portfolio piece that I put on my site. And that might not be the thing I want to communicate because as I continue to keep caring more and more, my prices continue to grow. And that's not an F you to my clients being like, you can't, you can't afford me anymore. That's the other technical component of me keeping my sanity is that is the natural deterrent for me to book too much and feel too burnt out. And so it's, it's raise the prices, book less, care more. Like that's the whole sentiment in the growth of my business in particular. Now I'm afforded, I'm afforded the possibility of doing that as well because of the diversification of my business and the diversification of my income. So that's something I talk about a lot as well. Um, I think that's, I think that's the most sustainable thing people in the wedding industry can do is build your skills in a couple other places and don't be afraid to diversify your skill set and diversify your income because it will give you more confidence to book less weddings. Like, I don't want to stop shooting weddings. I love doing it. I love experiences like Ben and Emily's with the Diet Coke. Like, I'm going to remember that for the rest of my life. I love doing things like that for people. I don't want to stop doing that, but I can't do it 20 times a year. So how do I book three, five of those a year and still take care of my family and still be emotionally present and mentally healthy? And that has to do with, you know, me having my YouTube channel and I can do other sponsored content there. And, um, you know, this gets into the investing portion that I teach about, like, mm. I want to start buying real estate and rental properties, but I can utilize those for creative projects. Like, oh, mm. I connected with you, this couple. Oh, I have a property in that area. Do you want to mm. go there for a free stay? Can I gift you? A, a stay at my rental property that I own. I, like, think about how, and then how much more you're going to connect with, especially with a client that's willing to invest with you, the thousands of dollars that they're willing to invest in you. Like, mm-hmm. imagine the power of being able to do things like that and bless people in that way, where then it just becomes even more beautiful, you know? And I'm not, I don't want that to come off as like, um, this ethereal thing that's not possible for you, it is. The truth is it is. Mm. As you continue to grow in your work, you do have to wrestle with the idea that you are capable of doing things like that. 
Um, having the attitude of not being able to do something like that will never get you to the place of doing something like that. Um, I had to reckon with that myself because in the early stages of my career, I'm like, that's never possible. That kind of income's never possible for me in the work that I do. And now I find myself mm. in the work that I'm doing, those ideas being possible. I'm like, oh, dang. Like, mm. that, that just opens up so many other doors for me. Um, and so then creatively, I'm feeling more fulfilled in all these different ways as opposed to rhythmically, you know, only shooting 30 weddings a year and feeling burnt out from having to be so emotionally invested in all of them. But I can serve... I can serve a commercial client over here in some of the same way. We, we brought a commercial client to tears multiple times this year just by caring again. But like, yeah. but that was so much less emotionally taxing than the weddings are, you know? Um, mm. So like there's a bit of technical in there of, of adventure and think, and I know I'm pretty sure we talked about that in the last mm. episode, just like what does it yeah. look like to diversify your business? Yeah. Um, because that could just set you up for not just financial benefit in the future, but emotional stability and like, and mm. mental health as well. And while you can still pursue being yeah. a creative and not burn out of the, doing the thing you love. Mm. Yeah, it's cause I, like I've got a sort of a relatively d diverse, um, like layout of my business. I obviously have weddings mm. I've got like commercial stuff. I've got this podcast, which isn't so much a part of my income yet, but Will it's be. sort of like on that plan. And it, and it's and it's and it's I guess a a mental um, sort of floodgate release for that kind of like a different way to creatively, um, you know, work out mm -hmm. and uh, and and network and meet people and just yes. keep keep like stave off the the burnout mm -hmm. that I think a lot of us um, uh, deal with and and whether you do you know, like do diversify into stuff that isn't weddings or you just or your work is all weddings but maybe some of it's photo mm -hmm. and some of it's video and that and that and that sort of helps you keep your brain in different places or it's there's some of your weddings are these super invested super emotional ones and then for the couples that that's not important to them. You do think yep. keep, keep things more simple. So I think just being aware of keeping that mental and financial and sort of creative diversity. Yeah. does will help with that feeling of burnout. Cause I think we've all been there. We've all been there with any kind of seasonal business I imagine has. And it, has, it can be overwhelming to think about that too. Cause you're like, okay, well I've, I have to diversify all these ways. I'm just like, I'm going to burn yeah. out cause it's all the time. And that's true too. Yeah. You you have to be disciplined yeah. with your time management and figure out what's important mm. and when and be okay with saying no sometimes and having that awkward conversation with that person being like, no, I, I actually can't get coffee. I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. Mm. I, I owe it to my family to like stick to the plan I had mm. this week. Um, there's that component of it as well. But Honestly, I look at the, you know, the age bracket we're in now and I look at these years and I go, man, now is like, now are the ripe years to do this stuff so that you can take yeah. your foot off the accelerator. Like I'm in, I'm in the smack dab middle of the pedal to the floor moment of my life right now. Mm. Um, yeah. But I see, like I have enough, I have enough clarity to see what it will be five years from now, you know, that five mm. to 10 year plan of just being like, 
I don't, I don't have to work at this speed doing this many things at that point. I can dial all of it. It can still all exist, but I, and I can mm. dial all of it back and settle in and be totally fine, you know? And yeah, just that whole idea of the, the, the five to 10 year plan thinking like, okay, how do I make what I do in my life sustainable with my work? Because if I'm miserable right now, I definitely don't want to feel this miserable in five years. So what am I going to do mm. to endure this season of, of misery right mm. now with being overworked or feeling burnt out so mm. that I can have a season later where it doesn't feel like that? And yeah. my life has been this ebb of flow of those seasons, ebb and flow of those seasons of like, man, it's just too much. And then having a season of mm. like, wow, this is beautiful. I can sit back and chill. And then it's too much. Mm. And now I can sit back and chill. And truly, like I've on multiple occasions talked to my wife about this, is that from this point on in my life, I don't see me ever going this hard at really anything ever again. And that can be scary as an entrepreneur. You're like, I know there are a lot of people that look at that and go, no, like, mm-hmm. no, I'm gonna push it, I'm gonna push the pedal through the floor, yeah. you know? Um, that goes back to the core of who I am and my philosophy. I know if I choose to do that, my family will suffer my presence. My kids will not mm. be around me as much as they, um, yeah. you know, deserve to have me around. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a, it's a good point to sort of, I guess, circle back as we kind of like start to wrap up our conversation. I think circling back to, the the idea of the fact that you have gone through the, these ebbs and flows and you've learned about your own capacity and you've learned like how to run your business it's it's been a long organic growing mm-hmm. learning process over a decade or longer yeah. and and so i think now it might be a good time to circle back to i guess the idea of like your course in this education like do you want to, I guess, talk to just, we talked about at the start, but just talk to like, I guess that value of the difference between taking a decade to learn this sort of stuff Mm -hmm. versus learning from, I guess, your experiences and what that might mean for someone who's looking down the barrel of starting this journey. You know, the person who's just, just touching their foot on the accelerator, Mm -hmm. getting ready to hit it to to the floor. Yeah. I think, What's incredible in our era of living is that these opportunities, they've just never been presented to mankind like at all. Uh, It's, you know, the decades prior to us, it was virtually a one track educational route. Like this is how you do it. And this is pretty much the only way unless you want to work blue collar, you want to get in a trade or do whatever instead. And there are so many options now. And the, the beauty about it is that it is a very, in, in the realm of like, if you pursue this career and you actually do it, the investment you make on the course or something like this is v- very insignificant in what is possible um, that you can make in your income. Mm-hmm. And it might feel overwhelming right now to make that investment, but I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the first person to say, if you feel incredibly uncomfortable making an investment like that, don't. like. You can piecemeal it together on YouTube. You can take your time. If you don't feel the need to know it right now, I'm never going to encourage someone to like go into, you know, thousands of dollars of credit card debt 
that's going to compile over time if they're not like ready to go with this business or have a plan. I don't want to encourage that at all. Um, yeah. I think honestly the most sustainable place to be at is like, all right, I have a few jobs. I'm ready to start ramping this thing up. I want to get it to full time. I see this as an investment that will make me more money and ultimately get me to the place of going to full time. But a lot of people like myself need the comfort of like, okay, I need this much in my bank account to be able to do that. Um, mm. And it's hard because we're doing this model of, I'm only doing enrollment for a week and then I will probably open it up again sometime in the future. So I'm opening up to people who are ready for that moment right now. And I want to open it up to people who it will soften the blow a bit more by doing the same exact pricing of the course over six months with no interest. So mm. you could do a monthly payment or all up front. And I think the most popular form is going to be the mon monthly payment. Um, mm. But ultimately just seeing it as that investment, you know, I, the, the thing, the thing that was a catalyst in my career and completely changed everything for me was going to workshop, which doesn't exist anymore. It was a workshop in Brooklyn back in 2016 and I had all the people I fanboyed over and it, mm. I did not expect to learn what I learned and it was all about the heart and the why. And I was just chasing after trying to get elopements and like doing the cool thing and having an awesome Instagram feed and trying to be the person that people fanboyed. Um, yeah. And I was just totally wrecked at that spot. And I, I just would love to be that person for other folks as well, where they like, yeah. they watch it and they're like, oh man, my whole, like my whole perspective is flipped upside down. And if I do lead with this this heart mentality, if I do lead with this core and foundational philosophy of serving clients, like it's all going to work out in the end. And I will I will build this thing and I have the confidence to do so because I have like one of my favorite lines that I teach is like, let your clients be your marketing for you. Like it's, it's like all it it's all it takes. Really, you don't really need anything else. Yeah. Honestly, like screw Instagram. Yeah. Let your clients speak about you and they will book you your work. Went down a really deep rabbit hole there. But yeah, yeah. no, that's 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 like the thing. Is, yeah, that's a great um, way to, I guess, wrap up what we've been talking about for an hour here. And man, I'm just so excited for you like just the, the course looks amazing i'm excited for people to like i guess go through this process you know <laughs> condensing a decade of of trial and error yeah. into this um this learning process for you i think your approach of um putting your values first is is fantastic and just a really solid base for everyone like looking to move forward with their business. Mm -hmm. I think it's just a really fantastic approach. So, um, yeah, man, I think that's probably just going to do us for today. And the only thing left is just to say, thank you so much again for your time. It's fantastic to hang out again, like a year or so later Super cool. to see what you're up to. It's been awesome, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Ben.